I've got a good word for you this morning. Anybody? Can I just tell you guys? I'm like, uh, I am so ready to be able to lay hands on people again and uh, pray for people and just be able to, I mean, wasn't that time of worship just wonderful a moment ago? I just, I, I so, and, and I, I just, but I miss, I miss being able to hear the voices around me and, uh, and to be able to worship in that way. But soon, guys, soon we're going to be able to do that. Uh, and, you know, I just... If you wonder, you know, Pastor, why, why, you know, why don't we just do it? Uh, you know, what I do is I, I follow the lead of my apostle. Hallelujah. What Dr. Morocco says is what we're going to do. Now, if doctor, and you can pray for this, if doctor says, you know what, forget it all. Let's just meet. Let's open the church, and we're on board. And so you just stay connected with us online, okay? And uh, uh, you will be the first ones to know if we're going to meet live. But in the meantime, you just be sure to connect with us over social media and all of that. All right, enough of that. Let's get on to the Word. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. I want you to turn there in your Bibles if you've got Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14. The week before we went into quarantine, I actually started a series entitled Pray. And what we're doing is we're looking, actually, there's a number of places in Scripture, there's four, where the Apostle Paul records actual prayers that he prayed. And I think it's a good idea, you know, Paul was a guy who raised the dead, Paul was a guy who started more churches than, boy, we can even wrap our heads around, churches, some of which are actually still in existence today. That's lasting fruit. Paul, on one occasion, was preaching, and the Bible says he was going on hour after hour. One boy fell asleep, fell out the window, and died. Paul goes out there, and they didn't call the ambulance or anything. No, he just declared by faith that he was going to raise from the dead. And that's exactly what happened. This boy gets raised from the dead. And you know what Paul the Apostle did? Some people would think, well, that's a good time to end your sermon. That's not what he did. They all went back upstairs, and he picked up his sermon right where he left off, and he preached until the sun came up the next day. Praise God. We ought to do that sometime. That's a different topic. Praise God. You just guys let me preach for as long as I want to. And uh, anyway, that's a different matter altogether. But Paul, man of faith. And he's one that I think we would do well to learn from how he prayed. Well, here's a prayer in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14. If you're there, give me a thumbs up or give me a honk. All right. One person is there. Is anybody else there? Ephesians 3. Okay, we're there. For this reason, I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The whole family of heaven and earth is named that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, above all we can ask or think, according to the power that works in us. To Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. 
Now he continues, and I, I want to read just one verse out of the Passion Translation. I just found this was so powerful. In fact, I posted it yesterday. Ephesians 3, 16. In the Passion Translation says this, I pray that he, God, would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. Now, how many of you, oh my goodness, you st- just hear what he's saying. He's praying for us. And we ought to pray for unlimited riches of glory, supernatural strength, divine might, and explosive power. I mean, I'm telling you guys, that is a powerful prayer. In fact, I've entitled this message, Praying Revival Prayers. Because I don't know about you, but if we begin to see unlimited riches of glory, supernatural strength, divine might, explosive power, that sounds like revival to me. Now some people might say, well, pastor, what is revival? What in the world is revival? This is how I define revival. An unusual season of God's visitation marked by a harvest of souls. An unusual season of God's visitation marked by a harvest of souls. There is a sense, and I don't want you to mistake, how many believe God is with us always? He's he's with us always. He's with us everywhere, right? He's with us in our car. He's with us when we're on quarantine. He's with us when we're being driven crazy by our kids at home day after day. Praise God. He's with us uh, when we're on the beach. He's with us everywhere. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 28, the Great Commission, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And David, the psalmist, I, this, is, this one kind of blows my mind. You just study this sometime. But he said, there's nowhere I can go where your spirit isn't there. He said, when I'm in heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. He said, in the morning, if I'm lost at sea, in the darkness, you are always there. And so we know that God is there. But how many understand there's a difference when I have a sense of God's presence and when God just rocks me. I mean, have you ever had one of those moments where you feel like you get struck by lightning, man, and you just like the power of God, maybe you just can't stop crying or you can't stop laughing or you just feel overwhelmed, you can't even describe it in words? I mean, how many of you have ever had a moment like that where indescribable God has moved upon your life? It's wonderful. I mean, there's a difference. The disciples were gathering together. They prayed and they knew God was hearing. But there was a difference when those pillars of fire began to fall, when that mighty rushing wind I preached about last week began to move upon the upper room. There's a difference when Moses is there and he's speaking with the Lord. The Bible says he spoke to God face to face as a man speaks to a friend. But there was a difference when God visited Moses upon the mountaintop to such a degree that Moses' face for days literally shone forth the glory of God. There's a difference when somebody is praying. Like in Acts chapter 4, the disciples gathered together. And they know, God, you're always here. You always hear our prayers. 
But in Acts chapter 4, there was a moment where the Spirit of God began to sweep into that place. And the Bible says the place where they were assembled literally began to shake. I mean, could you imagine a meeting so profound that literally our entire building begins to shake under the glory of God? I don't know about you, but I want to see manifest presence like that. In fact, I was reading some of the declarations of the, uh, the testimonies of the, of the Puritans during the Great Awakening that swept uh, our nation and swept the, the better part of Europe in the 1700s into the 1800s. And what they said revival is, is they, they defined it very simply. Revival is the manifest presence of Christ. The manifest presence of Christ. In fact, their theology, which I agree with, they, they define God's presence. They put it into three different categories. First, you have essential presence, which means God is always with us. God is everywhere. This is why you can go snorkeling and, wow, God, your creation is incredible. This is why you have people that will say, in partial ignorance, well, I don't need to go to church because God will meet me right where I am. That's true. Because God is everywhere. But there is a difference when people gather corporately. There's a reason that Jesus went to the temple to pray. There's a reason that he said, don't forsake assembling together. There's a reason. I mean, you just imagine. The people that were sitting in the upper room had a very different experience with God than those who were sitting three blocks away. They were there. And yes, God was three blocks away. But there was something unique for those who had gathered together. They met God in a way that nobody else did. And I'm excited, man, because when we get back together, even right now on this property, in fact, I read about times in the Bible where the glory of God came so powerfully upon the temple, the Bible says that ministers weren't even able to enter the house of God. We could pray for a revival like that. Now you just pull onto this property and go out under the glory of God and uh, we'll just continue to meet outside because God's presence is just here. Doesn't that sound fun? So we've got, we've got, I hate not being able to talk to you guys in house, but we've got essential presence. The second way that the Puritans describe the presence of God is what they would call cultivated presence. And that's the relationship that a believer develops with God. I walk with him every day. I'm growing with him. I'm developing relationship. That's cultivated presence. That's different than essential presence. It's actually God growing in your heart and in your lives. And then there's this last category, which I made mention of already. Manifest presence. This is what we would call revival, where God shows up in an unprecedented and unparalleled way. This is where you read about miracles beginning to break out or where you hear about a cloud of glory maybe rolling into the place. And I don't know about you, but I expect... Guys, the world has gone on lockdown. There's times you may feel like, oh boy, this is only us. I know especially on an island like Maui, sometimes we can feel like, boy, look at what's affecting Maui. Consider, this is the world that has gone on lockdown. But I believe in the same way that the world has frozen. I believe that God is preparing the world for one last sweeping, reviving, one last awakening that will touch the globe just before his return. I don't know how quickly that's going to happen, 
But I believe even right now, the Lord is preparing us for this great move of His Holy Spirit. His manifest presence operating through all who would receive it. So there's a number of things that the Apostle Paul, and I'm just going to give you three prayer assignments. Because Paul, Paul talks about this fullness of glory. He talks about this explosive power. He talks about this manifest presence. And I want this as a church, and I want it personally. And he gives us three things that we ought to pray for. And at the end of the service, I'm going to ask you if you would be willing to make a commitment. Will you pray these three things every day this week, maybe a couple times a week? Next week we'll have different prayer assignments, but here, here it is. Number one. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. Number one, write down the word dwell. Dwell. He said in Ephesians 3.17 that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I want you to say right out loud, whether you're at home in your car, I want you to say that word dwell. Yeah, I heard you. I want you to say it again. Say the word dwell. He wants to dwell in our hearts through faith. Do you know that? I mean, everybody, not just pastors, right? Not just those who've been in the church a long time, but I mean, you're watching at home, your life is messed up. You can say, oh, all these reasons God doesn't want to meet. No, God wants to dwell with you. Every person within the sound of my voice, God wants to dwell in your heart. I consider the fact that, oh my goodness, I mean, we were, we were in the church this last week and we were praying our team, we got together on, uh, right now we've committed on, every time before we go live uh, on any service, we'll, we'll spend an hour in prayer. And on Tuesday, I mean this isn't usual for me, on Tuesday, me and a handful of our leaders, our team that helps live stream, we got together, we were praying, and I'm telling you, the very moment that I began to engage the Lord in prayer, His presence immediately just began to touch me. I mean, I was weeping. I had to lay down on my face because I was so overwhelmed at times by the presence of God that met me in that moment. And I know as I got up and I, I, I asked the team, do you guys sense this? And every single one of them did. And there was this awareness that came into my heart. God wants to fellowship with his people. God wants to be with his people. God wants, if we would just open our heart, he wants to dwell with you. He wants to meet you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to be with you. You see, this is where we go beyond just a, a casual acquaintance. Yes, I know about Jesus. Yes, I know the stories about him. I know the principles or the theology of Christianity. And we move beyond that into this place of intimate relationship with Jesus. One of the scariest verses to me in all of the Bible is in Matthew chapter 7. And Jesus is talking about these individuals who come before the throne of God. And, and they say, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons. We worked miracles in your name. But they end up being cast away from the presence of God. And the reason is this. He said, I never knew you. There is a big difference between knowing about something and having an intimate relationship with somebody. There's a lot of people I know 
that we're acquaintances. I know who you are. You might know me. We might be able to recognize one another. But to step into that place of relationship or friendship or even love is a totally different matter altogether. And I want to ask every person, I know you wouldn't be watching this broadcast. Everybody knows Jesus by name. You might know the historical figure Jesus or the teacher Jesus, but do you have an active living relationship with him? Have you asked him to come and dwell in your life, in your heart, where he literally, as we were singing in that worship song earlier, he becomes the center of it all? Is Jesus the center of your life? You see, his provision, Paul mentioned riches and glory. That is available for those who dwell with God. His strength, which increases spiritual strength, will be received for those who dwell with Him. And that divine might, you know what divine is, it literally just means from God. We get divine might and explosive power for those who dwell with Christ. And so I ask you, have you invited Him to dwell with you? This is the first thing, our first prayer assignment for this week. If we're going to see the manifest presence of God in our lives, corporately, in our church, amongst our family, in our workplace, the very first thing we must do is invite Jesus Christ, come dwell with me. Jesus, come dwell in my heart. Number two. Number two, for those who are taking notes, this is our second prayer assignment. I want you to write down this word. Root, R-O-O-T, root. I want everybody to say root. Yeah, I heard you. Everybody at home, say root. Okay, a couple of you weren't listening very well. That's okay. I always like to to test. Are you paying attention? Okay, root. Okay, root. And this is where I get that idea. Verse 17, Christ may dwell in your heart through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints the width, the length, the depth, the height, and to know the love of Christ which passes all knowledge. We are to be rooted and grounded in Christ. Now what in the world does that mean? I, I don't know about you, but when I, when I got here, I, just, I challenge you, next time the wind gets real heavy here on Maui, just watch a palm tree. I mean, it's the most amazing thing. Some of these palms will go 20 feet into the air and even beyond. And you'll watch as powerful wind sweeps through and these trees are, are bending under that. But I still today, maybe it happens, but to this day we've had some powerful storms, even a hurricane wind that blew through last year. And I have not yet seen a palm tree uprooted or fallen down. You want to know why? You just search this online. It's a really wild picture. But if you find... You can see the picture of roots in a palm tree. Not only do these roots go very deep, but they also spread very wide. In fact, if you were to look at these trees that run along our property line right here, what's incredible is these roots will go down nearly as far into the ground as tall as the tree is. But not only that, the roots actually become intertwined with the trees that are surrounding them. And boy, you can pull some spiritual parallels out of that. You want to know how you can endure the storms of life and the winds that would blow you down? 
You better make sure that your roots are deep in Christ Jesus. And you better make sure that you're connected with some other people around you. It'll help you stand strong in times of storm. Did you know what we dig our roots into? Now, the Bible was very clear in this, and I want you to pay attention here. Because it's not just digging roots deep. But the Bible says that we are to be rooted and grounded in love. I want everybody to say love. I want you to look at somebody nearby. If you're sitting in the car with somebody, look them in the eye right now. You're sitting at home with somebody, look somebody in the eye and say, I love you. Come on, tell somebody. There you go. Find somebody and say love. All right. Now this is, this is what the, the Apostle Paul says. We are to be rooted and we are to be grounded in love. Do you know how much Jesus loves you? That's going to be the root and the foundation in your life. When you are rooted and grounded in love. That's how we're not going to be uprooted or fall quickly when difficult times come upon us. John 15, 13. Jesus said, no greater love. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for his friends. I want you to consider the love of Jesus. How free it is. We don't earn it. And if it weren't for his working in our lives, we don't desire or even ask for it. But Jesus freely gave his love. Not because we were so great and wonderful, but the Bible says while we were sinners, he died for us. We had nothing to offer, but yet God so loved the world, he gave his life freely to each and every one of us. All we have to do is receive it. I want you to consider the love of Jesus. How free and yet how costly. Jesus, though he was rich, the Bible said he became poor. And he paid to redeem us. And that redemption, what a cost. Do you know of anyone who would die to save a sinful man? But that is how much Jesus loves us. Consider his love. How compassionate and tender it is. The brokenness of man. The hopelessness of man. And yet Jesus looks upon us as his own. As sheep without a shepherd. As a bride to be loved. As his friend who he would die for. Consider the love of Jesus. How bountiful. The Bible says there is no good thing that he would withhold from us. Freely we receive and we freely give. He is still abounding in love and generosity. Consider the love of Jesus. How extensive it is. In his day, he loved his nation, his people, and his disciples. But think about how extensive his love is. Nobody is excluded from his love. His enemies, were they excluded? Even to his very last breath, he forgave those who betrayed and murdered him. How extensive and expressive is the love of Jesus. I agree with the Apostle Paul. It truly is beyond understanding. How wide, how long, how deep, and how high. Church, let that love that Jesus has poured out so abundantly on us, let that be your root 
in life. You will not be easily uprooted. And so we pray, first of all, Jesus, come and dwell in my heart. Come and dwell in my life. Dwell with me. I want to do life with you. Be in relationship every day. The second thing, we're going to pray for our roots. I want to be rooted and grounded in the love of Jesus. That means you ought to take time and pray, Lord, teach me how to love you. Teach me, Lord, how, how you love me. What do you feel about me? How do you care about me? And here's the last thing, number three. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. Number three, write down the word fill. Verse 19 says that you may be filled with the fullness of God. I want everybody to say fill. That word, so incredible that we might be filled with the fullness of God. It goes on to say, verse 20, he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think or even imagine. I saw one pastor in a devotion this last week point out. It's very interesting. They prayed in Acts chapter 1 to be baptized in the Spirit. But if you look carefully in Acts chapter 2, that, that moment, Pentecost, the Spirit's poured out. The Bible says that they were filled with the Spirit. And you can do a study and you can come to your own. Is there a difference between being baptized and filled? But here's one thing I know. Peter became a new man after he was filled with the Spirit. He would deny Christ before a little girl, but when he was filled with the Spirit, he looks those who crucified Jesus Christ in the faith. He rebukes them, he preaches the gospel to them, and leads 3,000 to saving faith in one moment. I think about how he was walking outside one day, and the Bible said that people laid out the sick in the streets just so that his shadow would pass over them, that they may be healed. I don't know about you, but I don't think that I'm that full of the Spirit as the Apostle Peter. I think about that testimony in Acts 19 where the Apostle Paul, the Bible says that they literally took out aprons that had been on his body. They would take it to those who were sick or demon-possessed, lay that handkerchief on their body, and they would be instantly healed or instantly set free. There is a fullness, I am convinced, that each and every one of us have yet to attain. Until my shadow starts healing people, until you can take my sweaty shirt after a service and see somebody healed or a demon cast out, I tell you, there is more that you and I have to walk in. And I challenge you, I'm taking this myself, to begin to pray every single day, Lord, fill me until there's nothing of myself left. That the very virtue of God Almighty, His majesty, His wisdom, His love, His mercy, His patience, His kindness, His power literally overwhelms all that I am and all that I do. That nothing of myself is seen any longer but only that of God Almighty. We ought to pray for the fullness of God to come into our lives. In fact, one of the things that I find so incredible is here the Apostle Paul encourages us, pray that you would be filled with the fullness of God. All that He is, fill me. 
In the next chapter, in chapter 4, in verse 13, he prays for the fullness of Christ in him. And then in chapter 5, in verse 18, he prays for the fullness of the Spirit. Consider this. He prays the fullness of the Father, the fullness of the Son, and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Paul wants us to look as much like God as we possibly can. I tell you, church, we are moving into the hour where God is not only going to pour out what he did in Acts chapter 2 in these early revivings and awakenings that, that birthed our nation, in the Pentecostal movement that we're walking in, God is getting ready to pour out the former and the latter rain, that which he prophesied in Joel chapter 2. We will, in our lifetime, see that come to fruition. But we must posture ourselves and say, Lord, I want you to dwell with me. Jesus, I want my roots to go deep. Teach me about your love. Reveal your love. Baptize me in your love. And then we pray thirdly, Lord, fill me. Fill me. The fullness of God, the fullness of Jesus, the fullness of your spirit. Fill me all in all until nothing of self or sin remains. Only you, Jesus. What I want to ask for every person within the sound of my voice, whether you're sitting here in your car, whether you're watching at home, I'd like to welcome my, my worship team if they'll come, but if you're here, you say, Pastor, I'm just, I'm telling you guys, the Bible can prophesy revival. You know what one of the saddest facts to me in all of the Bible is? Jesus gave instruction to 500 individuals, 500 to go and to wait until you're endued with power, 500 but we all know in Acts chapter 2, there were only 120 that received it. That means well over half missed what God was doing in that hour. Now God's merciful. Maybe they were a part of that crowd that immediately came, got right with God, got baptized, got filled with this. Maybe they were part of that revival that swept in the coming years. But here's what I know. Jesus has prophesied. Revelation has prophesied. Joel has prophesied. I could give you about 60 references on revival in the day that we're living in. That's beyond what modern day prophets are saying. And what I feel burning in my own spirit. But I know that just as in the book of Acts. Just because God is going to pour it out does not mean that everybody within the sound of my voice is going to receive it. There will be revival that is poured out upon households and upon churches. And there will be others that miss it. And I'm just saying today, I'm not going to miss it. And I'm saying today, our church is not going to miss what God is going to do in this day. May I declare over every open heart within the sound of my voice, you and your household are not going to miss what God does in this last day outpouring of his spirit. All we have to do is posture ourselves and say, Lord, use me. Lord, here I am. 
Lord, dwell with me. Help me be rooted in you and fill me, mighty God. If you're here today, maybe you're joining online. You say, Pastor, I want to make a commitment that every day this week I'm going to pray those three things. The dwelling, the root, and to be filled. Because I'm seeking that manifest presence, that coming revival. I want to be a part of it. If you say, Pastor, I'll commit to pray that way this week, every day. Whether you pray in the morning, I'm not going to put, you know, I don't care how long you pray. I don't care what time you pray. But you just say, I'm going to pray those three things every day this week. If you say, Pastor, to the best of my ability, I'm going to pray those three things every day this week. Would you just lift up your hand so I know? I want to see. I want to see. Even if you're watching online, you just, I don't know, give me a thumbs up or something. Let me know. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek. Hallelujah. I see you guys all across here. I'm going to pray that God give us the grace to do this. I want you to keep your hands lifted right now, and I'm going to pray. Lord, I... I ask you right now, you see every hand that is lifted. You see every heart that is open. Lord, even those who are online, God, you see every single one. I ask, mighty God, that you would come and that you would fill us in a new, in a fresh way. We ask you to dwell in our lives. Lord, we ask you to help our roots go deep. Reveal the love of Jesus in a new way to us. But God, we are wanting we are seeking, we are hungry for your fullness. We don't just want part. We don't just want a hint or a taste. We don't want to live off of somebody else's anointing. But Jesus, in our lives, we ask, fill us with the fullness of God Almighty. Fill us, Jesus, with the fullness of you. Fill us with the fullness of your Holy Spirit, mighty God. Right now, I ask you, Lord, touch each and every life those who are here in this parking lot and those who are joining us online, fill us, mighty God. Confirm in our hearts what you're doing in this moment. Oh, mighty God, I thank you for open and willing hearts. And I declare over every one of them, they will not miss. We will not miss this outpouring of your spirit. We will not miss what you do in this day or hour. We're going to be front and center in what you do in this last day. And we thank you, God. You're raising up those who will walk in and receive and experience your manifest glory and all that comes with it. Your provision, your power, your anointing, your calling, and that explosive dunamis power. Mighty God, I ask it in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. Come on. Give God praise. Hallelujah. I just want to, I want to speak a blessing over you as we release. Oh my. Are you ready, church? I sure hope you're ready. God's going to do some wild things in this coming day. And I'm, I'm deeply, deeply excited about it. Well, would you lift your hand one more time and let me just speak a blessing over you right now. Today, I speak the blessing of God over you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As Abraham was blessed in every way, may God bless you in every detail of your life. As God blessed Jacob, changing his name to Israel, 
May your name Christian cause you to be fruitful and multiply in all you set your hands to do. When you're tempted and tried, may you come forth victoriously just as Job, resulting in twice as much as you had before. As you raise your children in the admonition of the Lord, may they in turn grow up godly, bringing honor to your family name. When you honor God with your tithe, May financial and material blessing run you down and overtake you in every area. May the devourer be rebuked and annihilated while others rise up and call you blessed. As you wait on the Lord, obey his word and seek him above all else. May the blessing of strength, courage, protection, and favor be your reward. May the Lord watch over and guard your going out and your coming in. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his light upon you and be gracious unto you and give you peace. I bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Well, I love you guys so much. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday afternoon.